This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting and Sales EQ, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. On this episode of Sales Gravy, you're going to learn the five mistakes that salespeople are making on LinkedIn that are killing their sales and killing their reputation. Before we get started, though, I want to introduce you to my favorite sales tool. In fact, this is my secret weapon, Zoom Info. Every sales professional on the Sales Gravy team uses Zoom Info because Zoom Info gives us access to more than 20 million companies, 60 million direct dial phone numbers, and over 120 million business emails. This is truly our secret weapon. And when you pair Zoom Info with LinkedIn, well, you get something that is explosive when it comes to building your pipeline. And you know the pipe is life. So I've got some good news for you. You can go right now and try Zoom Info for free. That means you can give it a free test drive and you can see if you like Zoom Info as much as we do. Just go to zoom.salesgravy.com. That's zoom.salesgravy.com and start your free trial. Now, here's my conversation with Brent Tillman about the five mistakes that salespeople are making on LinkedIn right now that are killing their sales. This is Jeb Blunt, and welcome to another episode of Sales Masters. I'm here with the fabulous Bryn Tillman, who is the CEO of Social Sales Link. And our conversation today surrounds the mistakes that salespeople make when they're using LinkedIn. And Bryn, who is an expert in LinkedIn, is going to walk us through the top five mistakes that you want to avoid when you're trying to fill your pipeline and build your network using LinkedIn. Bryn, welcome to the show. Oh, Jeb, I am so excited to be here. I'm one of your biggest fans. So this is just such an honor. Well, thank you very much. And, and before we get started, uh, let's, let's give us a little bit of background on your chops as a LinkedIn expert. I know that you're everywhere I go, you're talking about LinkedIn. So can you just give us an, an idea of, of what you've done and why people should pay attention to you? Ah, well, thanks. So I have been in sales and uh, sales training for my entire career. Uh, I actually was a co-founder of a sales training company years ago and really started to leverage LinkedIn to build my business. And then I turn around and teach my clients how to cold call. And I thought, boy, I should start to teach them the way that I'm actually growing my business and began to really leverage LinkedIn in, in powerful ways. And a few years in, I thought, you know what, this is the only thing that I want. I really want to focus on how people can leverage LinkedIn to grow their business by positioning themselves as thought leaders and uh, leveraging their network to get introductions to targeted buyers. Excellent. And if you've read my book, Fanatical Prospecting, you read the, the chapter on social selling, and you know that I believe that LinkedIn is one of the top inventions for salespeople ever, along with the telephone, the car, the internet, and Google. And for some people who you know don't want to look my, at me in the eyes, the CRM as well, So, which, which literally changed the landscape of sales. And LinkedIn is continuing to change and evolve. And the one thing about LinkedIn that I really like is that They've changed the algorithms and they made some major shifts about two years ago that took LinkedIn out of the muddy waters of 
of the internet into the premier network for sales professionals and professionals everywhere. And the beautiful thing about LinkedIn is different than Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and that we're not clobbered by a lot of political, a lot of people talking about religion and sports and opinions. It's really about business. And the one thing I love about the conversations on LinkedIn is they tend to be civil. So it's people who have a, a, a common belief in something or a common, um, I guess, you know, passion for a particular part of business. And there's a lot of discussions around that part of business. Some of them get a little bit tense, but they're not, they don't dive into personal. And it's, it's right. become my go-to network. I, I spend more time on LinkedIn than I do in any of the other social networks. And if you follow me, you know, I spend a lot of time on social networking, but I spend a lot of time there for that reason. I, I enjoy being there and hanging out with people in that particular space. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there are, in addition to it being primarily business only, which I agree is so valuable, it allows us other pieces as well. I mean, that thought leadership is a big deal. But my favorite part of LinkedIn is actually the Rolodex piece, which I just aged myself by, by using the term Rolodex. But, you know, when I started in sales, I remember sitting across from a client staring at his overflowing Rolodex, thinking if I could get my hands on that for five minutes, I could identify who he knew that I wanted to meet, ask for introductions, and I wouldn't have to cold call that day, right? Like that would be my, my thing. So... When I saw LinkedIn, I realized that it was the answer to my prayers because LinkedIn allows you to filter and search your connections, connections to figure out who your clients know, who your centers of influence know, that you want to meet and leverage that information to get some warm introductions. So the balance of the two, number one, well, learning and sharing insights around business only and the ability to really mine your connections, connections, in my opinion, makes LinkedIn the most powerful prospecting tool there is. Uh, and when what we do at our office is we combine LinkedIn with a tool called Zoom Info that we absolutely love. And so we go into Zoom Info for right now, we're, we're targeting a particular vertical where my book, Fanatical Prospecting, has gotten a lot of reads. So a lot of businesses in that particular vertical, mostly, you know, small to mid-sized businesses, but they're reading the book in mass. And it's and it's and it's a tight industry. So it's kind of going across all of these small companies that we built a list of the small companies based on a particular set of, uh, of qualifiers that are important to us in terms of size. And now what we're doing is we're taking that list and then we're running that list against all the connections we have in LinkedIn. And we're able to take a look at what they're doing. And then we're using that really more marketing than sales. We're using those connections to post insights, to do things that connect with them, make them start seeing us. Uh, and then what's beautiful about that, we can even run advertising campaigns against that list of people both on LinkedIn and other social networks and on Google. So it kind of mashes together sales and marketing in a really unique way. Uh, but we'll use the list we pulled from Zoom Info to cold call. And I'm a huge 
the proponent of the phone. I, I just, you know, this whole idea that you're going to be able to social sell and it's going to solve all your problems is complete malarkey. Um, you have to be able to pick up the phone at some point. And if you'll notice one, one of the things that, that, that Bryn has talked about is networking, getting referrals, connecting with people, sharing insights. It's creating familiarity so that when you pick up the phone and you call people, 100%. they know who you are, which increases the probability that they're going to have a conversation with you. And the, and it, but, but it's not one or the other. It's both at the same time. A lot of times what we'll do is we'll run a cold calling campaign and we'll pick off the people that are willing to talk to us straight off that list right then on the spot. And then the people that we can't get a hold of will shift into an email campaign and then we'll shift into a social campaign and then we'll pull it all together until we've taken everybody off that list that will engage with us and then move them into our pipeline. So it's, it's learning how to connect all of these pieces together. And it gets a little bit complex. But the beautiful thing about LinkedIn is that people can see your face. They can see your insights. And we say insights. Look, you can go, we talk about curation. You can go post something or grab something from the Wall Street Journal if you want to and post it on LinkedIn. And people that are in your particular network, the people that see that will see the post that you that you put up and they'll connect that post with you, which makes you smarter in their in their eyes. And it provides them with valuable information. And by the way, if you if you're connected with them via text, you can send them the same post via text message. So now you've got phone, email, you've got LinkedIn, you've got your LinkedIn inbox, which is essentially not LinkedIn, it's email. Um, but it's email with a twist because they've got this cool little feature now that you can click. It's called a microphone. And you can talk right into it, which I really dig. And I've been using that lately to respond to, to emails that I get. Um, so you've got this ecosystem. And what, what I see is that LinkedIn is sort of the the center of this ecosystem and everything can flow around that because so many people are there. Now, the one downside of LinkedIn, uh, especially if you're calling on C-level people, is that as you start moving up market into bigger companies, most of their, their executives are not on LinkedIn for a lot of reasons. But most salespeople aren't calling on C-level people. Most of us are calling on mid-level managers and directors who are all on LinkedIn. And those people are sometimes and most often the conduit into those companies. But Bryn, the, people make some egregious mistakes on a LinkedIn, especially salespeople. And I've experienced a few of those over the holidays when I've been home and I've been trying to get all my, my, my LinkedIn mail. And we're going to walk through some of those mistakes. So let's start with this. LinkedIn is a powerful tool. And, and I believe that it is the greatest invention for salespeople since the car, the telephone, the CRM, Google, and the internet. It is in that realm of, uh, of, um, of tools, and it can set you apart if you use it correctly. But it can also destroy your reputation and get you blocked if you use it the wrong way. So let's start with mistake number one, Bryn. What is the number one mistake that salespeople make on LinkedIn? The first one, I believe, is positioning your profile as a, re as a resume instead of a resource. If you're looking for a job, that resume may be important to you. But if you're in a business development role, you want to provide value and insights right away. Corporate Visions has a stat out there that 74% of buyers choose the rep that provided value earliest on in their search. So why not start with your profile? Make sure that your profile is, is value-centric, buyer-centric, not necessarily me-centric and what I've done, you know, in my career. And that starts with the headline. So the headline should move from your position and company name to more about the value that you bring. And actually, often I'll say, who do you help? How do you help them? And why should they care? 
And if you can do that in your 120 characters, it's a big win. In your summary, I mean, most summaries start with my passion, my mission, my years in business. And you haven't earned the right for your buyers to care about that yet. All of that will matter to them when it comes to building relationships, but you have to be attractive enough for them to want to care about you. And the only way to do that is to offer them true value, whether or not they ever talk to you. So vendor agnostic value, meaning they read your summary and say, wow, I learned so much from that. I gained so many insights that I am confident that if I actually talk to this person, I'm going to get even more value and insights. And so you earn the right for them to want to take your call, starting with your profile. So let's, I want to talk about a couple of things on the profile so that are, I think are important. One is your, your, your shingle. Right behind your picture is this beautiful space that mm-hmm. is called a hero image or a cover image. And uh, and most people that I see on LinkedIn either are not using it or not using it well. And I, I'll put myself in that bucket. I, I I need to change it out more often. And sometimes I'll put something up. Right now there's a there's there's a dragon on mine with the with the objections book that you know. Then there's a guy with a shield that I put when I launched the book in May, and I haven't taken it down since then. And it's easy to forget about that. But why is it so important that people hang out their shingle and use that space? Well, we are, as human beings, very visual, right? And this is really our billboard on LinkedIn. And it really can help us brand and even provide uh, a connection with visuals. Now, I've had the same one up for a while as well, but I think as long as it's a consistent visual that continues to brand you so that people see it, they think of you, they think of your company, they think of your solution, that there's a consistent look, I think you're in good shape. The problem is when you leave it empty, right? When you don't have anything there at all, it really is a waste of real estate. Like this is really good opportunity for people to start to recognize your brand. So you want to make sure you're making the most out of that. And here's a warning for sales professionals. If you work for a big company and you have a marketing department, go check with your company's policy on on branding online before you post anything there. Check with your marketing department. They may have a couple of hero images that you can use. If you work for a smaller company like my company, a lot of times it's, you know, people can do what they, what they, what they please or they can do what they think is best because you're more innovative and you're more agile. But when you work for a bigger company, you have to be very careful of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you mentioned the, the, the summary or the headline. So I'm going to give you a contra view of what is a lot of advice that you see on the web these days. So a lot of the advice is that you should have some message in your summary and it shouldn't be your title. And I got to tell you, it drives me crazy because I don't know what people do because I get this helping businesses, blah, 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 or some cutesy thing. And I would rather it say national account manager, then tell me what you do. I, I'm good for that. But personally, uh, I find it I find it just off putting it. It really drives me crazy. And it and most mostly because a lot of it's just crap and I can't really understand what the person does. And because I'm giving you about three seconds when you send me a note to look at you, I'm looking at that. And if I don't understand what it is that you do, and for my world, if you're not in sales or you're not running a company, I don't want to talk to you because it just doesn't fit my net, my, my targeted marketplace. I just, it, it, it drives me crazy. And I see more and more of that, that yeah. I really want to call the person up and go, 
what do you do? Like, I have no freaking idea what it is that you do. So, so first of all, that's in your experience. So what you do should be in your experience, your title and all of that. Now, I understand you care about them being a salesperson because that's your world. But their buyers are not excited to talk with salespeople. They don't, if they see national account manager, and now I'm reaching out to offer insights, the first thing that goes to their head is they want to sell me. But if I'm providing value to a buyer, they will continue to read beyond my headline before they know I'm in sales. Where I, it, It's proven over and over and over the again. The thing is, though, is that, is that if I read these headlines, they're not mm-hmm. providing any value to any buyers. They're cutesy excuse my language, well, then BS. They're wrong. it's then crap. They're wrong. It's just complete crap. You need to hire a marketing department to write these things for you. Otherwise, I think it's important that you tell people who you are. I don't think you need to hide from being a salesperson. I don't think you need to hide from your title. I don't think you need to hide from this. I'm, now I'm debating but, but you. But line, by I'm the way. Telling you, most of it is so such bull crap that it makes me just want to puke well, all over them. What they're doing, they're then not marketing done, but, people. They're but realize... It is called a headline. It is not called your experience. And LinkedIn does not advise you to have. I'm not talking about experience. I just want to know who, what you do. Like if it says CEO of, if it says CEO or COO, if you look at most C-level executives on there, their title is in there. So I know exactly who they are and what they do in that organization. If someone says I'm the strategic account manager, I know exactly what they do. I'm a part account manager. I know exactly what they do. You've got more space. Right. And you have that there. But I'd like to know who you are and what you do. Like, what is your job? Not, okay. not I, so, you know, so I, there's, I there's been many blah, blah, studies blah, blah, blah. that show buyers will not continue to read a profile if the first thing they see is sales. OK, so that's I mean, that's it's it's based on a ton of, of studies that have happened and, and LinkedIn very purposefully moved that from title to headline years ago. So, uh, and I, I appreciate your position. Buyers are much more likely to continue reading if it doesn't scream sales. And I'm very proud to be in sales. It's, it's you know, in my, my experience, that's where it belongs. It's called a headline for a reason. It's so not called title. So we'll, let's, let, we'll, we're going to split the difference here. Uh, okay. I absolutely think that you should put your title in your headline. Absolutely believe that you should because people need to know what it is that you do. Bryn says that studies have shown that people are more likely to continue reading if they see something other than a title. So other than a sales title, other than a sales title. So I say, don't hide from your your job. You're a salesperson. Be proud of it. Tell people what you do. If they don't like it, tough, move on, pick up the phone, call them, go knock on their door. That's what I say. That's what you should do. But this is important. If you choose not to believe me, which is fine, because there's two sides of this debate, Absolutely. and you choose to believe the, the studies on this, and there's two sides of the debate. If you're going to write something, write something so that people know what it is that you do. Like, I'm right. seriously, you can't write cutesy BS that when you read it, it's like, it just makes That's you want right. to throw all over the page, because, or go find someone in marketing, or go find someone like Bryn, because this is what she does for a living, who can write it for you, so you don't look like a schmuck on LinkedIn, that you've written a whole bunch of stuff that's just a bunch of words that don't mean anything. Is that fair? And just, there's three, so who you help, how you help them, and why they should care. If you can include those three elements, then you'll know exactly how, what they do. Perfect. Absolutely. 
Most of them don't say, don't do that. That's pretty good. Okay, let's do that one. Give us, give us that one more time. So there's three things you should have if you're gonna if you're gonna choose the the Bren Tillman side of things. We're gonna I'm gonna send you back to Bren. She's gonna start talking and she's gonna give you the three things if you're gonna write a headline so it doesn't sound like cutesy BS. That it's something that that's real and got mm-hmm. and has value and has meat. Here's what you do. Tell them one more time. You need to mention who you help, how you help them and why they should care. Okay, so so let's just, I wanna I'm kind of dive in this. I help businesses. Okay, that is not who you help. You gotta give me more than that. I help businesses is not enough. I help small business, I help mid-sized business, I help market businesses, I help tech companies. Give me something up, because there's, if you take that, that, that look, I, I can give you a million headlines on, on LinkedIn and say, I help businesses, no. You don't help businesses. You help a person inside the business. You do something specific inside the business, but it's too general because they all say the same thing. Does that make right, sense? So mine, mine is transforming the way professionals grow their business first. So what am I doing? I'm transforming the way professionals grow their business. How do I do that? By leveraging LinkedIn. And why do they care? To schedule more calls with targeted buyers. So those are the three elements So what do I do? I transform the way professionals grow their business. How do I do that? By leveraging LinkedIn. And why should they care? Because it helps them schedule more calls. And by the way, I agree with you, Jeff. The key is to be on as many phone calls as possible. And so everything we do with LinkedIn social selling, and it starts in my headline, is with the goal of getting on more phone calls. And see, if I were to change your headline, I wouldn't say transforming the way professionals do business because that's so flowery. I help help professionals make more money like that. As soon as you said that, you got my attention. I help professionals make more money by leveraging LinkedIn to schedule more calls. Like all of a sudden that makes sense to me. Like I could read that and go, she helps me make more money. I want to talk to you. Makes sense because transforming my business, eh. Right. That's but that's what I'm talking about. Not transforming their business. So it's okay. We don't need to have this. Transforming the way they grow their business. Why don't you just say I help you make more money? Isn't that what you're supposed to do with sales? I I help you not help you increase sales. Like that's what I love. That's what I'm talking about. Sales is fine. I have increased I have grow business. But yes, that's what I have is I help them grow business. Yes. So that's that so sales or whatever you want to call it, I chose I help professionals grow their business. Perfect. See, I love that. But I think that this is what you have to do when you start thinking about messaging on LinkedIn or messaging on any pl- any in, in, on any social network. By the way, when you're dealing with clients or you're sending emails, are you going to send an email? Exactly what Brent and I just did is what we do inside my company. We'll take we'll take something like transform and we'll go. Is there an easier way we can say this? How can we make this more sense? If 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 someone was reading this and they didn't know you, would they understand what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. And as a sales professional, if you will hone that and hone that and hone that, then I'm moving over to Bryn's side and going, I buy into this. Let's let's put things in our headline that makes sense. Right now, I'm not on that side because most of it doesn't make any sense. Most of it is using big words to try to explain something that's really simple. So keep it simple. So number one mistake is making your profile all about you. The number two mistake, Bryn, is what? So connect and forget is the number two mistake. Think about this. Imagine making a cold call, someone answering the phone, and you hanging up, right? That's what we do on LinkedIn. We ask them to connect, they connect, and we never talk to them. We have no conversation. It's so silly. 
So if we are out there connecting, whether we accept a connection request from someone, and in that case, you want to ask them how they found you, what brought them to you, right? Because there could be an opportunity that you're missing out on. Or if you've connected with someone and they've now accepted, now it's so absolutely essential that we start a conversation just like they answered the phone. Now, I often like to provide a good piece of value that's non-sales. Maybe it's a blog post or some kind of content that's valuable. I'll ask them if they're exploring and if they are. And I actually will say, I'm not sure if you're exploring X, but if you are, here's a piece of content that can really be helpful. And that has to be completely uh, vendor agnostic content, no pitch, all value. And then I'll say, you know, I'd love to, to learn a little bit more about your business. Uh, I'd like to reach out to you early next week. Uh, if there's a particular time that works for you, please let me know. Um, otherwise, um, look for my call Monday or Tuesday. Or, or if you wanted to be more specific, look for my call Tuesday around 10 a.m. And then you put it in your calendar. Whatever your strategy is, let them know you're going to be calling. And then I'll even say, P.S., if you'd like to schedule a time, here's a link to my calendar to make it easier for you. And, you know, if you've provided enough value in that content, you've gotten them at the right time, they might just schedule it. It's pretty powerful. So I get a hundred connection requests a day and nobody does that. Well, then they haven't taken my course. I mean, nobody does that. What I get is I get a connection request. Somebody connects with me and I'm, you know, I'm bumping up against LinkedIn's. I'm, I'm, I'm about to run out of even connections that I can have, mm -hmm. but I get a connection request and uh, which is fine. And I'm, I'm cool with that. And I'm actually happier when people don't even write something. I just prefer the connection request because when they write something, it just creates even more work for me. Um, but if they connect with me, then most of them I don't hear from again, which is fine. People follow me because I'm an author. Mm -hmm. But the ones that I do hear from, it's almost always a pitch. Like I don't get a, you know, I, or, or it's a pitch for themselves. Read my, or I want you to read my article that I wrote and tell me how good it is. Like I'll get stuff like that. Or I'll get, you know, I, I get, I, people send me calendar links. If you send me a calendar link, I am never going to talk to you ever again. Don't send me a calendar link. You can suggest a time for us to meet. That works. But I'm not going to your calendar. And what doing if your you did both? Because I will typically yeah, I'll say. I'll take both. You'll take I'll both? Take both. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you say, here's a time when I, I'd like to meet with you, or here's something more convenient for you, for me, I'm totally cool with that. Okay, good. Because that's I what I recommend. Good. Yeah. I so, recommend um, and that's what I recommend as well. Um, but. And but I will then, also recommend that you say, I'm going to be reaching out to you early next week. If you, whatever, if you have a system that could be right. But if you'd like to schedule a time and sometimes that, and, and maybe there needs to be a third, but what we found is very few people will come back and with a specific time when you're in this particular medium if you connect with me and your first email to me is, I'm going to schedule time with you, you just got unconnected and blocked. Always. Well, first, 100%. it's content. The first thing we're doing is sending a good piece of content. The first thing that they do is send me something that's of value or they say, hey, I really, they write me back and say, hey, I loved this article that you wrote or I saw this thing that you posted out from the Wall Street Journal and my company's dealing with the same stuff. And then there's a little bit of space. 
and then they like something that I've, you know, that I, I see them again, mm-hmm. or they comment on something and then they come back to me, their chances right. of getting a meeting are pretty high. But if you're first, like you connect with I me agree. and then the first thing is I want to meet with you, I just go to report, spam, block, done. And I'm, I'm done with you because that's, that's, if you want, if you want to meet with me, pick up the phone and call me. That's yeah. because you can, I will always answer my phone. My phone is always with me hundred percent of the time. My phone number is all over the internet. You want to, yeah. you want to talk to me, call me and people cold call me and they do business with me because they cold call me. But what, what I, because I think it's important that we hear what you said, connect with people and, and nurture the relationship a little bit. Like it's, it's kind of like, and this is a little bit crude, but it's like foreplay is good in relationships and it's also good in LinkedIn as well. Like you gotta, you gotta warm it up just a little bit and not just be so direct because it's so easy to knock you out of my life forever. Does that make yes, sense? My like, first wet welcome message, literally if, if they reach out to me is thanks for connecting with me on LinkedIn. I'm not sure if you're using LinkedIn for business development, but if you are, here are some powerful resources that can have a significant impact on your efforts. If you have any LinkedIn questions, let me know. I'm always happy to chat. P.S. May I ask how you found me? Perfect. And that's my first message. Yeah. So, but you've given them some, here's some stuff. Like if you're looking for this, if you're looking for that, if you're looking for this and you know, if you're, if you, if you want to, like if you're connecting with me and want to sell me something, don't pitch me. Mm-hmm. Say, here's a great article on mm-hmm. something that has nothing to do with you. Like if you just sent me, here's a great article I read on sales training yeah, companies. Here's a great article I read on this, or here's this, or here's this, or dude, I loved reading your book. It was awesome. You know, that was fantastic. So I think that the, I think you're exactly right. I mean, we, what, what happens a lot of times is people connect with me. I never see them again. And I'm looking for people. I, you know, it's, it's amazing the people that I see pop up on my feed over and over again, who are involved in the things that I'm posting, who, mm-hmm. who don't assault my LinkedIn inbox. And I, I've got so many inboxes. The last thing I want is pitches in my inbox. Pick up the phone and call me. It's so much easier, right, than going through this whole gyration. But if, if, you're, if, you, but if you are following me and you're engaged with me and you're doing those things, and then you come to me and say something reasonable about my business. Hey, I, I was, I've been following you. I've watched Sales Gravy. I've done this. I can help you. Can we get together? I'm going to send you to my assistant and we're probably going to schedule a meeting. But nobody does that. I either get a pure pitch mm-hmm. or silence. Like yeah. I get, there's no in between. So, Bryn, the third mistake that salespeople make on LinkedIn. And I think this is a good segue from our last discussion is what? That people treat LinkedIn like a cold calling machine instead of a networking machine. To exactly your point, they reach out, they connect, they pitch. They re- and they have this, this huge list of people that, you know, they're just d- doing everything they possibly can to get their marketing message into their inbox. And it's not successful on LinkedIn. Just like you said, most people will then report spam gone or disconnect or totally ignore you. And it's really important that by the time you actually even ask for a phone call, you've added value in the world. You've shown credibility. And there are lots of ways to do this. When you connect with them, we talked about sharing insights. When you come in through a warm introduction, you come in with a much higher credibility. When you come in by providing them value, I mean, think about if you were in a networking room and you walked up to someone, shook their hand and say, hey, buy my stuff. 
Like we wouldn't do that. So why would you do that on LinkedIn, right? The goal is for them to learn about you, you learn about them, you build credibility, and you get them so excited about you that they want to take your call. So Bryn and I, we love each other. We have some disagreements because there's different ways of doing things. And by the way, everything works. Everything is right. It depends on the probability that it's going to work for you. But here's one thing that we are absolutely aligned on. LinkedIn is not a cold calling tool. It is not a cold calling tool. If you want to cold call, pick up the phone or go knock on the door or send an email. But those, those things are absolutely appropriate. People expect to get cold calls on the telephone. They may not like them, but they expect it. They expect salespeople to show up on their front step and, and try to sell them stuff, whether you're in B2C or in B2B, mostly B2B. And they expect to get you know, cold emails from people. That's expected. But, but your social inbox feels incredibly personal. It's, it's something that's sacred and you just don't want strangers showing up and just pitching you in the middle of this, 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 this particular area for you that is personal. And like Bren said, it's like going to a networking event and walking up and, and going, buy my stuff. And here's what's important. If you're, if you're standing in front of someone and you're pitching, right, your ears turn off and so does the prospect. And when you do it on LinkedIn, the same thing happens. You turn the prospect off. And it's so easy to just block you out and call you spam. And by the way, if enough people spam you, LinkedIn's going to kick you off the, the tool and you're not going to be able to use it then either. So LinkedIn is about creating familiarity. So there's a couple of things that you can do. One is get a referral. So a referral or, or, or a, a, someone introducing you to someone else, you use their credibility and you take it to the other person. So it gives you an, a natural end, but it's also familiarity. So what familiarity does is it breeds liking. The more people see you, the more they experience you, the more that you do things for them. So by the way, every time you like something they post, where you create a little bit of obligation, it makes them feel like they need to reciprocate something to you. And all of these things increase the probability that when you do pick up the phone or you send an email or you send them an email and ask them for a meeting, that they're going to meet with you. And by the way, this can be independent of if you've added a lot of value in their life. Sometimes just because they've seen you enough times and you've been respectful most of those times, you earn the right to be able to ask them to meet with you. And and, and this is the thing. We go back to the conversation we we're having earlier, Bryn, is that I don't think people are getting this. It's like they're either connecting and forgetting, right? They're just walking away and you never see them again, or they connect and they just hit you with a hard pitch and there's no in between. And so let's let's stop and just talk about that for a second. Why in the world is this happening? Other than the fact that people haven't taken your course, it seems so like when you give us the networking analogy, it just seems so logical and common sense. Why are we lacking so much common sense as salespeople using LinkedIn for connections? Well, that's a great question. And a lot of it is because LinkedIn doesn't do a very good job of guiding them to do it the right way. So for example, LinkedIn gives you a whole huge list of people you should connect with. And then when you click the connect button, it automatically sends, doesn't allow you to send a personal note of why you want to connect. Now, I know you said earlier that you wish that people just sent the, the generic, but I'm going to say it's so important that you add a note for many reasons. One of them is when that person accepts your connection request, they actually go into your inbox or your messaging center so that you know they're a new connection. If you don't have a personal note, they don't go in there. Um, the other thing is if you are reaching out to someone, you want to make sure that 
um, you know, you, you're saying what you have in common. So I noticed we have 17 people in common and we're both part of this group. When I looked at your profile, I noticed you were this. I'd love, you know, and I, I was impressed by that and I'd love to connect. So you've got to make it more personal and you've got to make it more about them. But I think LinkedIn does a terrible job. I love them, but they do a terrible job of encouraging the right behavior. So when you ask why don't people know, because it's really, you don't know what you don't know. And so they take what they would do in their normal life. So if they're really good at cold calling and like, here's a great opportunity, let me transfer the skills that I have on the phone to LinkedIn, or what most people will say is, hey, I don't have to cold call as much because I'm on LinkedIn, whatever they're saying. They, they, they mimic or mirror what they're doing, and it's a totally different platform and needs to be handled differently. One thing that I recommend people do, and we do in, in my fanatical prospecting boot camps, and this is in particular, we're, we're working with a, an industry where they're selling inside of companies that are usually common in that particular industry, maybe a little bit different when you're, uh, you're let's say you're selling a SaaS product and you're, you're, you know, your universe is 8 million small businesses. But when you're working in an industry and most of the companies that you're selling to are industry specific, what I recommend is avoid connecting with people that are outside of your industry group. Because so, so that when you're sharing content, when you are reaching out to people, when you're building out your network, you're networking with people who are just like you and are more likely to be connected with other people inside those companies that you want to have a conversation with, whether you're doing it by phone or email or text or in person or a trade show. And instead of getting so wide with all the people that LinkedIn recommends that you connect with and you start diluting your message across this wide group of people. And of course, that's something that's going to shift from industry to industry. You know, as my, my earlier analogy, if you're, you know, if you've got a, a you know, universe of 10 million customers, that's not exactly going to be easy to do. But if you are in a very tight industry and a lot of people are very niche, niche industry, my recommendation is you stay in that niche. And I'm just wondering what your thought on that is. Um, well, I mean, there are a lot of people that can draw great value into your network. So I wouldn't say only connect. I mean, if you're going to proactively go out to network and meet people, I agree 100%. But I would not necessarily limit my connection solely on that. Um, I say anyone you meet in person professionally or even personally, I mean, I've had such value from, you know, meeting parents on the soccer field at my, you know, my kids are playing. So I'm a fan of connecting with everyone you meet in a professional or personal environment for professional reasons. Um, but if you are going to put a campaign together where you're really going to actively seek out people to network with, then I agree having a focus is a good idea. Well, and I think that, I think you're right. I think that, I think that connecting with people that you meet in person at networking events or trade shows or people that are in your building out your professional network, I, I think that's perfectly okay. And I, I, I would agree with you on that. It's just that when LinkedIn sends you these four recommendations of people that you should connect with, or you have people connecting with you that are that are not industry specific and you don't know them, those are the people that I would avoid because you it dilutes your message versus focusing on the people inside of your industry. So I, I do agree with you that it is it well, is a if they come inbound, I will often say, I'll send a message instead of accepting, I'll send a reply. Thanks very much for your connection request on LinkedIn. Typically, I only connect with people I know may ask how you found me. 
And I'll start a dialogue because I don't just ignore people and you never know what opportunities you're missing. So I would say if you are on the fence with someone, start a dialogue. If they ignore you, then ignore them. It's fine. But if you start a dialogue, I mean, I, I could tell you time and time again how those turned into opportunities that I never would have seen. That's excellent advice. Excellent advice. Very good. Okay, Bren, the fourth big mistake that sales professionals make on LinkedIn. Four, they're, right? in, they're in stalker mode, anonymous mode. When they visit profiles, no one knows they're there. I can tell you the value of visiting someone's profile. I'm actually in the middle of a study that we're conducting on 500. We're, we're um, visiting profile, following them, and engaging on a piece of content and doing nothing else. And we're just waiting to see what happens. So we've chosen 500 people to do this with that are my second degree connections. And so far, we're about halfway through the study. And out of about 250 people, I've had over 80 people ask me to connect. So I think it's much stronger when those targeted people are asking me to connect and because we looked at them. So letting them know that you view their, your, their profile will get them, especially if your profile is positioned well, they're going to say, who is this person? What are they doing? You know, what, and so that, that will get them to your profile. When you're in stalker mode, you miss out on so many opportunities. So stalker mode, can you explain what stalker mode is and how, yeah. and how people get into stalker mode? Yeah, so it's anonymous. So you have the opportunity under your privacy and settings to um, turn the, your viewing option. The, when you view a profile, it will come up as anonymous instead of your picture and name and a link to your profile. Um, there's also an in-between that is silly. But overall, if you are in anonymous mode, you can, I call it stalker mode, you can view people's profiles without them knowing. There is a time and place for that. But generally, if you were using this for sales, you need to be completely open all the time. How about the people who don't have pictures on their profiles? <gasps> That's like showing up to the networking meeting with a paper bag on your head. <laughs> I mean, it's silly. People connect with people. You've got to have your image there. And make sure it's a recent image. There's nothing worse than like having your college football picture and, you know, now you're 52, right? And so when they show up, they're like, wow, he really aged. Like, you don't do that. You know, have a recent picture that looks like you, that people can connect with, and it will make all the difference in the world. Definitely. I think more companies are waking up to this as well. Just recently did a training and at lunchtime, the company brought in a photographer and they did headshots for everybody. And you should have a professional headshot done. Uh, we do that for our team. We make sure that everybody has professional headshots and we do this a couple of times a year to keep them fresh. So make sure that you've got something. And, and by the way, this is a and I'll, I'll dip in the research. Research shows that if you smile in your picture, people are going to be more engaged with you. Yes. It's absolutely true. And you make eye contact. No, like, up looking into the world. Yeah. Or the, or the, this. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Okay. The fifth big mistake that sales professionals make on LinkedIn. That they constantly share content that their prospects don't care about. Don't dilute your messaging. If you are putting a ton of, like, uh, uh, not that people are doing cat videos on, vi uh, on uh, LinkedIn, but if you you are putting up, let's say, um, inspirational quotes, yet you sell telephone systems, no one is going to know you for telephone systems. They're going to know you for inspirational quotes. 
So don't dilute your message and make sure when you do share information that it's relevant and vendor, mostly vendor agnostic. That you like every time I watch a video of yours, Jen, I have a takeaway. I have not hired you. Well, I've read a lot of your books, but I get a takeaway from each of them, which makes me want to continue to watch those videos. There's some lesson in there. So you want, and that's what makes your prospects care. So if you can provide content that your your prospects care about, it's a big win. But even, I don't know if it's worse, equally as bad, is that people that share nothing. Because you are just lost in the LinkedIn sphere. Nobody knows who you are. And you're missing out on a huge opportunity to attract, teach, and engage your targeted buyers. Well, let's, let's talk about this for a second because you, you talked about my videos and I've got a pretty good pattern of sharing on online and, and I, I do a combo of I post things myself. So every, every day, my social media hour is 6 to 7 a.m. and I'm usually not posting anything after that unless a machine is doing it. So I have got content distribution tools like HubSpot that do a lot of the work for me, but anything late in the afternoon or what have you, I'm typically distributing that way. And th- those could, that could be content that I did or content that someone else wrote, it could be content that you wrote, uh, but it's relevant to my core audience. Mm-hmm. There's two ways that you can, you can put content up on LinkedIn. One is that you can create it. So you can write it, you can shoot it on a video, um, you can you can you know put a meme up and put a, an inspirational quote on or what have you. You can just type stuff in. The other is that you can curate content. Right. Yeah. And 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 both of those things are things that you should be doing. Now, the, the as a content creator, I can tell you that it is a massive burden to be a content creator, to be thinking about what's the next thing that I'm going to be putting up. And then how do I re-leverage this? And even this, this, this webinar, this conversation you and I are having, uh, this, this is an essence content creation for both of us because we'll both mm-hmm. be able to leverage this video in different ways. Mm-hmm. But this takes a lot of time. You and I have been talking about this for a month. We put this together. We've thought about it. Now we're in the middle of doing it. Then it has to be edited and create, you know, and, 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 and made to look pretty and take all the uglies out of it. Then we've got to create landing pages and all the things that go around this. That's a lot of work and it's a lot of work for most salespeople. So most people should be doing content curation. And what that means is that you're taking content that someone else created and then you're sharing it with your with, with your industry group, with your targeted market, which is one of the reasons why, especially in niche industries, I, I try to get people to stay with that industry, stay with the people that you're networking so you're not diluting that message. In other words, you're not sharing content with a wide group of people who don't care about you know, widgets in, in this particular industry. But the problem is that, is that, like you said, people aren't posting anything. They're not curating anything. And maybe they don't know how, right? Mm-hmm. Or the stuff that they're putting in are cutesy yeah. stuff like they would post on Facebook. And it's not really appropriate. I'm seeing a few more. I haven't seen a cat video yet, but I've seen some things that are pretty close, you know, mm-hmm. that are coming up. And it's just because people know they need to be posting something, but they just don't know how. So there's a couple of tools out there that can help you with content curation. So I, I'm going to name a couple of the ones that I like, and then maybe you can talk about some of the ones that you use. So one of the ones I use is Feedly. That's so, my number one. Feedly so get, is amazing. Fantastic, right? So I go to Feedly. You go in. You can sign up. You can put it on your phone, and you can you just basically grab RSS feeds and you grab industry news. So you go to your industry blog, industry trade pub, what have you. And it just drops in every day a bunch of articles that other people wrote. And the other one that I use uh, often is I use Pocket. So if I'm cruising along and I see something that I like, I can I can grab it and drop it into Pocket, and I can save it for later on. I use Pocket for both for my own reading list and 
and for posting online. Um, what are a couple of the other tools that people can use for content creation? And, and Bryn, some specific tips for awareness and intention with content creation or curation and, and posting. Well, so I use Feedly primarily as my, my curating uh, tool. The other thing I do is I have a folder on my desktop. So I used to use Pocket all the time, which is great if you're using it from your phone and your desktop, but I'll drag and drop articles into a, a folder on my desktop. That's actually something that I, I will often do that I want to go back to, um, which is sort of a manual Pocket, right? Like, you know, and you can actually do that in a, a Google Drive if you want to have that everywhere as well. Um, so best practices, well, so a couple things. Number one, first, I will start by looking at my top clients and what kind of content they're sharing and they're liking and they're engaging on. And that's a great place to start if you don't know where to find content, because if they're engaging on that, there's probably other buyers that would be interested similar. So that's really important. I think that's a good way to do that. The other, I use hashtagify me to find content based on hashtags. So now LinkedIn is into hashtags, so you can use that to find content. You can use Pocket to save it or my drag and drop, however you want to do that. So that's a great way to find. Um, and one of the things on LinkedIn, if you use a hashtag or Twitter, but if you use a hashtag and you get a whole list, those people also used other hashtags. So you can look through, If let's say I did hashtag sales and now I see they have Ha sales hacks is one that I didn't think of, but now I see that a lot of people are using that. So I can find content through those hashtags. Another great way to do that. The most important thing is make sure you, you're sharing content. Number one, that's not your competitors. You don't want to drive traffic back to your competitor. Number two, that it's content that is relevant to your buyer. And number three, read it first or glance at it first. Don't just share things Sometimes from HubSpot, I'll share things without reading it because I know 100% of the time it's amazing. And there are a few people that I might do that with. But be careful. This is your reputation. You sharing that content is a reflection of you. So make sure that you've done your due diligence behind it. Uh, and yeah, and then make sure you are engaging with the people that like and comment and share that content. That's really important. So a couple of things I use, I also use Google Alerts. So oh, I use Google Alerts, yeah. Especially if I'm if we're working on a big company or a big, you know, big contract, I'll set up a Google Alert for that particular company and and I'll watch any press releases they have. I've gotten really good response and good feedback by genuinely and sincerely sharing uh, news from one of my clients or one of my prospective clients with a comment on that news. So, you know, I get the news, I share it, and then I write something nice about the company. And it's not, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's not contrived. I, I really mean this. I'm saying something about someone I believe I wouldn't write it if I didn't. But I find that when I do that, I get, I get people inside the organization who come back and like it or say something that I didn't know. And I just, I guess I pick up some, some brownie points for sharing their news and that company's marketing team who posted that they want the news to get shared. So that's a really good thing to do. And like you said, you're following those companies. Now you said something else. Um, we call it LCS, like, comment, share. 
So let's let's end with this. Um, it's gotten a big big deal for me. I'm on my text. Uh, I'm text messaging my my team all the time. LCS, and I'll have a link. I'll grab the post. And I'll have a link to it, and maybe it's something that one of the executives and one of my clients posted, and I'm following them and paying attention to them. And I go to my whole team, and I got 16 people here at Sales Gravy. So imagine 16 people. We're not a big team, but we're a team going out and then sharing what an executive wrote. Now all of a sudden, that person feels really good because we did that. But I say like, comment, share, like it, write a, a sincere or a, a comment that's got some meat to it. Don't just write anything and then share it on your feed with another comment. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that rhythm, like, comment, share, it, dri- it, just, it drives the algorithms at, at LinkedIn for one thing. So it gets a lot more views on the particular uh, item. But as a sales professional, if you were working on an account or you're you know, working on retaining a customer, what have you, why is this LCS rhythm so important for you? Well, I mean, you're really having an impact. Um, you're, you're getting on their radar uh, in a way that's meaningful to them, that's not about you and your sales pitch. Uh, and, you know, make sure you're following those company pages on LinkedIn. So that's coming up in your newsfeed. But that's a great way. Let's say you're um, in the olden days when I started in sales, we get the business journal. If someone was mentioned, we'd cut out an article and mail it to them with a little post, you know, congratulations for making the business journal. Remember those days? Well, we can do that with LinkedIn. If something comes up, uh, you know, whether it's a Google Alerts press release or, you know, a new product release that they mentioned on their company page, you can actually pull that link and either publicly or privately share that with your um, influencers inside of your prospective client or client and just say, you know, I know you're a big company, not sure if you saw this, I was really impressed with, here's a link to it, right? So that's part, it, that's a diff- different than sharing it on LinkedIn publicly, but, um, but if you do share it publicly, mention some of those people that you're working with, so great job, you know, however that is, it's like cutting out that article and sending it to them. Um, But, you know, the bottom line is you are getting on their radar in a way that's meaningful to them and it's not about pitching you. So that takes us back to the inbox. You were talking earlier about how you get blocked, how you get spammed out of the inbox because you're doing nothing but pitching. And I recently was named, I don't know, something on some ranking report. And I got a series of emails from people who had, had seen, I didn't even know I was on this list of, of people who had been, I don't know, SDR business development or what have you, but I didn't know that I was there. And I got a series of emails from people who said, hey, I saw you here. And I engaged with every one of those people. I wrote them back and said, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. A couple of those ended up being long dialogues where we were talking back and forth and they asked me for some advice and I gave them advice and I felt obligated to give them the advice because they had done something nice for me. They had said yeah. something nice for me. And and none of them ended up being a sales call. They were all genuinely people just saying thank you. But all of those people are on my radar. I saw their names. I saw their faces. And the likelihood that if they had something that they were selling that would be of interest to me, that I would engage with that individual is very high because they took that opportunity. And, and it kind of boils down to awareness doesn't. I mean, you really just have to be open and aware, which means that you have to schedule time on your calendar for managing LinkedIn. And like I said, 100% agree. Yep. 
Well, how much time should people spend? Because I spend about an hour a day, and that's what that's the advice I give to my team. You should spend 30 minutes to an hour a day, no more than that. Move on after that because you've got other things you have to do in your day, but you have to have that time blocked out or you won't do it. Or you'll do it. You'll just pick at it and, and you won't have time to really like you're you're talking about. That takes some some effort to go follow the company pages, pay attention to what's going on, manage your feed to make sure you're getting the right things in your feed. How, how much well, time? So you- one of the things I think is really important is the activities that you do need to align with your overall sales activities. They need to be incorporated. So one of the things we do before we would call anyone is we have four or five things we're going to do with them socially to warm them up before we make that phone call. So, you know, the time, although I do believe that there should be maybe 15 minutes, 15 to 30 minutes in the morning and 15 to 30 minutes in the afternoon for some of it, a lot of it should be part of your daily prospecting process. It should just be part of the steps that you take when you're reaching out. So depending on how many hours you're actually prospecting, would determine really the time that you should be spending on LinkedIn. And, and I recommend specific blocks for social of any type, simply because it's I easy do. to dive into it and then lift your head up four hours later and you didn't accomplish anything. And one of the reasons why I do early in the morning, this is just me, and I recommend that, is because early in the morning, I can do a lot of the work that I need to do on LinkedIn. And, I, and and when I say early morning, in the afternoons or at night when I'm sitting down on the couch watching you know a show with my wife, um, I will get on my phone and go through, I, I click the little bell, you know, to see if, if, you know, any mentions or what have yep. you, I'll go through those things. But my intentional space on LinkedIn is 6am to 7am because that's outside of the golden hours. I'm, I'm during the golden hours from, you know, seven to five. I want to, I want to be having real conversations with human beings, not virtual conversations with human beings. So I'm focused on that during that period of time. If you're a field sales rep, you need to be in the field standing face to face with, with, with your customers. And if you're an inside sales rep, trust me, your boss wants you on the telephone making phone calls because you're inside sales. Yeah. I want to mention, you say, you know, if you're out outside sales, some of the best opportunities I've ever had where I'm outside a, a client and I look at who they know on LinkedIn and bring in five names. So there are definitely times where you should be on LinkedIn when you're out in the field, right? I'm meeting with someone and it's like, I need a quick, who does he know? And I'll walk in and if this is like a really great call and they love what we've done and it's just, you know, I'll say, you know, I hope you don't mind. I noticed you're connected to four people on LinkedIn that I'm trying to get in front of. Can I run these names by you? Can we have a quick conversation? So there are times when you're in the field where you need to open up that LinkedIn because it will make a huge difference on your a huge impact on your prospecting. I agree with you. I, I think you're absolutely right about that. And I, what I would recommend is obviously you've got your, whatever your CRM is, if it's Salesforce, what have you, you have your Salesforce one app on your phone. Um, you have your, your LinkedIn up and ready to go. And before you walked in, walk into any call, you should get there 15 minutes in advance. You should look at LinkedIn. Um, you should look at Salesforce to see, or your CRM of choice to see if there are any things that you need to know notes. And likewise, when you leave, if you met a new person, the very first thing you want to do is send them a connection request uh, on LinkedIn. I, I send them a thank you card. I have a, a, a little app um, called Outbound Cards on my phone. So I'll send them a, an, an out or you know, thank you note, and I'll, I'll put my notes into Salesforce before I move on. And that truly should be part of your routine. I absolutely agree with you on that. I think that's important. 
Now, if you come to me and say, here's five people, do you know them? I probably don't because I've got almost 30,000 connections on LinkedIn, so I don't know anybody. So I'm trying to figure out how I can open up and get more. Um, before we go, a couple of, like one more question for you, and then I want people to, to learn more about where they can connect with you on LinkedIn and wherever else and how you want them to connect. Like I just say, send me a LinkedIn connection. I'm happy with that. You want something different. But my, my first, my last question for you is this. So LinkedIn has um, a couple of tools that you can buy. So they have professional and they have navigator. And if you work for a big company, you may have navigator built in. Sadly, most of the people that their companies have bought it for them, I don't see them using it very much. But in a lot of companies, you may want to go to your boss, or if you're a small business, you may want to get it on your own. Um, and then there's the, the professional side. Can you talk about the paid tools on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and your recommendations for those tools? Who should buy them? Who shouldn't mm -hmm. buy them? And, uh, and just your overall opinion on those tools. So um, I don't think that the professional levels bring in enough value to invest. So I'm a sales navigator fan, but it's like buying a gym membership. A lot of us buy a gym membership and never show up. And guess what? You're not in any better shape. You're just out your $79 a month, right? So if you're going to invest in sales navigator, make sure you've got your plan that you know when it's leg day, you know when it's arm day, you know when you're doing yoga, right? That you know exactly when you go into sales navigator, what are the activities that you're going to do? What's your daily cadence? Um, what is your messaging? You've got to have that playbook in place. Uh, uh, otherwise, really, you're, it's random acts of social that's not going to have very much success. But I am a big fan of Sales Navigator. When used right, is incredibly powerful. It has huge filters that can really help you hone in on the right prospects. And we get it. We have it connected to Outreach IO, which we love. Outreach IO. So Outreach IO is like the greatest prospecting tool ever. And having Navigator connected to that, plus having that connected to Salesforce, um, it gives us the ability. Like you said, it's the messaging, right? So we create this messaging and this cadence, these pursuit plans that take all of the prospecting channels and bring them into one place. And Navigator becomes Perfect. a piece of that. But uh, but before we used outreach, one of the problems I was having is exactly what you said. We were investing in the Navigator tool for our people, and then they wouldn't use it. They wouldn't go to the gym. What a beautiful analogy. So uh, so fantastic advice. Uh, Bryn, you're a rock star. You know so much about LinkedIn. I, I, I probably could spend three hours with you, and we could dive into the tool. Uh, tell us how people should connect with you on LinkedIn. So how, what you expect and uh, if, if you want to connect with you and where they can connect with you and how they can find out more about your business and how you can help them transform the way that they sell on LinkedIn. So thank you so much. Um, so I currently am the only Bryn Tillman on LinkedIn. So that's good if you look for me there. Um, Twitter is also at Bryn Tillman. My company, socialsaleslink.com, socialsaleslink.com. Lots of resources there. But when you connect with me on LinkedIn, make sure you tell me that you saw me here and I'll send some additional resources above and beyond what I normally share. Um, but that's to encourage you to really send that personal message because I think it's important. So thanks so much for having me, Jeb. This was amazing. Really like a check on my bucket list to have spent this much time with you.
you're so nice. Now I'm going to go connect with you on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm connected with you on LinkedIn. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for, uh, for being on sales masters. And, uh, and I appreciate the debate. We always have a debate when we get on, I love it. Uh, we, we, we push the edges and so thank you so much. Uh, folks, go out and connect with Brynn. She posts fantastic content on how to use LinkedIn. Some of her videos are absolutely amazing. Uh, and uh, and you, you cannot go wrong by following her. And if you're running a business and you really need to amp up your game on LinkedIn, go check out her company. These folks can help you out. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on Sales Masters. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Sales Gravy. Please make sure to give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. And do yourself a favor and go check out Zoom Info. It will change the way that you fill your pipeline. And here's the good news. You can test drive it for free. Just go to zoom.salesgravy.com. That's zoom.salesgravy.com to test out Zoom Info.